Unreal. Uncensored. Unradio. Cliffcentral.com. Maroon 5, Sugar. Um, and we're back at it. Um, what a first hour. You know, we, we spent time speaking to a, a, a black person who gave us the perspective of, you know, being black, how they see the freedom. Um, asking some very important questions. Whose freedom is this? Um, Jack, I don't know if, uh, you, you, anything came, came from that for you, but for me, that's the highlight was him saying, look, if we could build a Khaud train, uh, in Santon and not disturb everything that was going on, yeah. then we should not be struggling to turn things around in the township. Very true. Well. Very true. Um, there were, there were a lot of things that he said that made a lot of sense. Mm. Um, it's just that sometimes he distracted me by, by, by theorizing a lot of it. But, yes. you know, um, a lot of his ideas are, are, are really, really cool, man. You know, um, as, as when he, when we speak of, uh, when, rather, when we spoke of, uh, gender equality, I think that's what hit home with me the most. Uh, mm. We need, mm. as men, we mm. need to actually stand up and notice how mm. fortunate we are, mm-hmm. uh, um, that, you know, life played out the way it did. Yeah, you know, uh, because uh, a lot of us have have been given a lot of advantages, man. Yeah, we we might push we might push white people up against the wall and say you have benefited from apartheid, but we 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 never stop to say, wait a minute, we also benefited, exactly. and and in as much as we want white people to give the land, you know, we should be looking at ourselves and saying, how do we deal with this male privilege as well? True. In 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 fact, um, my grand used to say this a lot, Jorge. Um, if you want to change things, you need to start at home. If, if, if everything begins from, you know, the place that you call home, you, you, you can't really change the world if you have not, uh, established that way of living within your household. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Damon, you, you, you've been called in here to, to be adult supervision for us. Um, uh, the first hour, did, did, did we behave? Well, Damon? you know what, Damon, Damon. Uh, Just buttons, I see buttons everywhere. Y- Duncan's coming in to save the day. Uh, we actually haven't even assigned you a channel yet. <laughs> before we could even speak to you. There, there we, we go. go. Now we got you. Okay. Sorry, before we even, go, first of all, let's just move on. But anyway, I'm just very confused. Why do you guys keep on saying you benefited from a party? You guys are black. I well, don't understand what you're talking about. No, as, as, parents, as, a, as a man. What are you? As a man, um, uh, apartheid, apartheid put put males on a pedestal and put women. Oh, fuck, uh, what a shit! I'm <laughs> sorry. What are you, how are you talking about? What do you mean? You mean you're not privileged being male? No, you, you, come on, no, no. I can't believe I, I have to explain this to you guys. Uh, apartheid, right? Yeah. Yeah. percent oppression of black people. There we go. This male privilege thing that you're talking about. Is a little tiny drop in the ocean. What are you on about? So it doesn't exist. So, so you say you're saying male and female are all equal in this beautiful society no, of ours? No, definitely not. But it's got nothing to do with apartheid. What are you talking about? Well, uh, so you lost your mind. Oh, it's lovely. got nothing to do with apartheid. Lovely. You know okay, what? I look, see. look, look. Can I just say, Damon, uh, Rory Sung built this box for us to be in. Um, I, I can't take accountability for it. I'm just saying. This man, you're like, you're just gonna leave. I'm, me. I'm gonna jump ship. Every time things own. don't go well, I jump ship. I'm sorry. Oh I'm goodness. one of those people. Well, look, Damon, thank you very much for that beautiful contribution. I just wanted to it's add. A- Obviously, there's been sexism, chauvinism, uh, men. 
getting treated better than women, but but it doesn't fall under the heading of apartheid. Oh, apartheid. That's, uh, it just falls under the heading of being backward and chauvinism and sexism and and whatever. It's got nothing to do with apartheid. Jeez, Damon, you know, apartheid have is you, oppression of black people. Damon, have you ever heard of the word Ubuntu? Because uh, what a way to welcome the female uh, uh, guest that has joined us. Eh? I mean, uh, <laughs> just like that. Eh? No, we're all equal and so on. What a wonderful way to welcome her. Thank you so much, Damon. Go power. So, Hanek, <laughs> sorry about that. Damon, no uh, Damon is, uh, Damon is here to give us adult supervision, but he seems to be turning things upside down. I don't feel uh, oppressed. It's fine. You don't feel oppressed. <laughs> no, You're not good. Yet. <laughs> well, uh, hello and good morning. You finally made it. Yes. Thanks. So, Thanks for having me. So, so you, I believe you had to, you had to, uh, perform dangerous maneuvers in the street yes. just to be here. <laughs> I did, I did. I made a, I made a bit of a dangerous reverse on the on the highway to get here. Oh, we but that's it. that's my style. Oh man, <laughs> you know. So so you you you're the buzz queen. So yes. tell us a little bit about what the buzz queen is and what she does. So buzz, in short, is a performing arts uh, activity for kids. Of the foundation phase or junior primary age range So that's when kids are just starting to cognitively come alive to themselves And when learning starts to take place It's the ages between 5 and 9 I think the most exciting part of becoming a little human um, We use drama, dance and singing To help them develop their confidence, communication skills Coordination and concentration We boost confidence, build social skills We get creative and buzzing through fun and um Use our own music with um, with kids all around Joburg. We do children's birthday parties, holiday courses, and work in schools. We have a mad creative time, and and I absolutely love it. It's it's brilliant, and keep it together. That's fascinating. So you you spend a lot of your time with with kids, little yes, humans. Yes. Yes. And uh, you know, what would you say if we were to ask them today about freedom and apartheid and so on? What do you think they'd say? You 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 see them playing every single day. Uh, you you hear their thoughts and so on. What what do you think they'd say? I don't think they know much about it. To be very honest with you, I don't think it's a concept that the little ones that of the age range that I work with know much about. I'll tell you. The other day, I had a little conversation with uh, a friend of mine's kid. His name is Monde, and I uh, said to him, "What color am I?" And he said, "Peach." He's <laughs> a little black boy, and I said, yeah. and "You?" And he said, "He said brown." Yeah. Um, he has no concept of black and white. It's beautiful. I mean, uh, they don't they don't get taught it at school unless we impose it upon them. They they, you know, um, unless unless it is imposed upon them. I mean, it is that Nelson Mandela idea that uh, you know no no child is born a racist, and you really do experience that mm. in certain environments, and in others you obviously don't. So it just does depend where you go, and it's beautiful. That there are certain pockets in South Africa where things are definitely changing. That's uh, it's very interesting. You you mentioned the story of Peach and Brown. Um, I have a friend of mine who, uh, a white fellow, who says you know that they were him and his wife. They were working very hard uh, not to raise their kids knowing what race is and so on. Mm. Really, to just to raise them liberally. So one day she was playing with uh, her cousin with a set of dolls and the cousin uh, and and she kept asking her cousin give me that doll mm. um and the cousin was like which one and she said no that one <laughs> and uh you know the cousin couldn't figure out which one it was and uh, she said which one and and she said the chocolate head man <laughs> so you know she didn't say the black one she didn't say yeah. so 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 do you think 
do you think we as parents, and particularly the next generation, so yes, there was the parents of our grandparents and, and even our parents, but there's a new generation now. That some of the kids that you have at Buzz are, are, are kids of people, very young people, who, who perhaps have lived most of their lives in post-1994 as mm. opposed to pre-94. Mm. But uh, do, you see, do you see us changing or are we still just uh, passing on the same old junk to, to the kids? We are absolutely changing. We're absolutely changing. I mean, I went to a government school in Cape Town, was raised completely in Afrikaans. I was educated in Afrikaans with a bunch of white people. And I remember my first job was at an integrated private school in Joburg where I actually was working as a teacher and that was nearly 10 years ago. And even then I was shocked at how these children's reality was completely different. And that was in a privileged pocket of South Africa where people were able to give their children that kind of education. Now, again, I will say that that's not everywhere. There are certain people and um, places where people still choose to educate or or, or, um, collectively put children together. In certain ways, um, uh, culturally, and, and that's fine. I suppose that's a choice that people have, and in every household it is definitely different. different. Um, but the way we see it, I mean, there are certain buzz workshops. We call it workshops instead of classes for a certain particular reason, mm-hmm. the way that we try to develop the kids. Um, where you'll see, I mean, the way that they, um, they engage boys and girls and across that age range between five and nine of every race, color, boys, girls, and age. And it's just very, very beautiful. Again, how they describe each other, how they'll, um, we've got lots and lots of games where they've got to kind of identify and, uh, and it will, it, it'll never be like that black boy. Mm, it'll be, mm. um, that tall one or that funny one. It's, it's beautiful. It's, mm. uh, yeah, it's definitely changing and, um, and we definitely try to steer it that way. It's it's a very encouraging thing to be around little ones. Do Do you think they can sustain it though? Uh, I I read somewhere, um, I think on social media, some stage, uh, some guy was speaking about, uh, you know, oh, do you remember the days when we were all still friends? So yes, while they're sheltered and so on, they they're mm. friends, and then they grow up. And they start hearing about, or it starts making sense, you know, where we come from as a nation. Mm. Um, they start, they start being more alive to the things that we're saying. Uh, and then they grow into these adults who, who become resentful of the mm. past. Do you think that, uh, the, the, this generation of, of four year olds, seven year olds are going to be able to sustain those, uh, interracial, uh, uh relationships moving forward and mm. really be the, the rainbow nation that was envisaged? You know, <laughs> I hope so. I, time will tell. From a gut place, my feeling is that um, the percentage will increase. You know, if you look at the amount of people when we were kids who who were politically integrated, and you know, like when we were kids of our of our, of our age, right? So when we we were kids, the the young adults or, or the or the thirty somethings of where we are now, who were as integrated or as forward thinking as progressive, were far less. So hopefully, it just keeps with time that wave just keeps increasing. So not everyone will continue on this trajectory, but hopefully, with time, it just continues to move forward. I can't say that every little buzzer or every little kid right now who isn't yet contaminated will continue on that positive path. But I can't imagine that that the train ever moves backward. I'm very positive. I always believe and hope and dream and... um, I have, I have great hope. I think it's, it's the nature of being around kids and, and seeing that they, you, you know, that they, especially the age that we work with, you know, they, there's no doubt they, they don't yet analyze themselves and see the negativity. Um, so maybe there's a certain naivety with being around kids. Mm. I, I do acknowledge that. Um, 
but I have great hope. I, I think um, time will tell, but 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 I am positive. Let's go back to let's go back a little into your story. So mm-hmm. I mean, you you have a very interesting. You're a very interesting story. You know, you right now you're this cosmopolitan um, buzz queen. You know, socialite around Joburg, seen <laughs> in many selfies and so on. Um, but you weren't necessarily raised in an environment like that um, in Cape Town and so on. Um, and somehow you find yourself here. So. What happens? What transforms in a person who was raised in one in one particular context, in a particular cultural or, or community setting, and and then to come out of that and to say, you know what, I'm I'm different from that, and to behave different and to embrace others. And so, tell us a little bit about mm. how, what happens. What what is it that changed in you or changed in your environment? What is it that said to you, no, this is, this feels more like how life should be. I don't know. I, you know what? I'm just incredibly lucky. Um, maybe I'm just that Malcolm Gladwell style outlier. Do you mm. know what I mean? Um, I, I sometimes wonder if there's a gene or something. I look at, I look at the traditional, very conservative Afrikaner and I just, not to knock it, hey, cause I love being an Afrikaner, mm. but, and I really do all the good stuff about it. I'm like super yay, but I just feel, I feel lucky for the, for, for that outlier type gene that allowed me to travel and see the world and to, to think outside the box. Um, but it's exactly that. I mean, Afrikaans education from the very beginning, all of the 12 years, um, all of the subjects, all of the thing, all of the education, all of, all of my experience. And then post that, I think the thing that made it different for me was then not going with the entire flock to Stellenbosch. Most people went either to Stellenbosch or came up to Gauteng and did Tukis or whatever, mm. Pretoria. I, I, I decided to go to UCT because I wanted to study drama. And I think my drama education opened my mind and that kind of real, um, you know, well-rounded, open soul experience of a drama degree and also changed my experience of language and allowed me to, you know, that voice training around how I speak English today. I think that's where it started um, because I had a... M- Mursha accent. <laughs> yeah. When I went to university, I spoke. Do you think? Do you think, do, do you think it it gets in the way and it got in the way oh. of you of you creating those relationships across racial boundaries? Yeah, I think I, when when I first met you, I said this to you before. Um, those first two years of university, I felt like a very different person. Um, I I um I felt like I couldn't really be myself. I couldn't really be funny or intelligent or witty in English because I was still thinking in Afrikaans. And I just I had to throw myself into it, whereas today I feel completely and entirely bilingual. Um, and those four years at UCT really changed me into what I now see myself as a completely bilingual person. Beyond that, I think, so UCT, I would, I would credit with, with changing me. But then also moving to London and traveling a lot that also um, changed me. And then just that entrepreneurial spirit that made me come back home. And, and, you know, this whole Freedom Day conversation that you're having. At some point living in London, there was this conversation that started in my head about this country and this city, Joburg specifically, that made me feel like this place is the only place in the world right now that's going to embrace me and allow me to come back and um, you know, just gonna give me the platform to jump in and do it. And, 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 and it's proved me right every single time, you know. Um, people, you take one step forward and, and people just embrace you and, uh, and the network is strong. And, um, yeah, I suppose that's been the journey. 
And 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 from a woman's perspective, so Damon earlier on said, "Oh no, you know, it's just it's natural, it's just chauvinism, right?" So, so I get what he's saying that it's not necessarily uh, an apartheid thing. Um, he feels that it it's it's just a natural chauvinism and so on. So, as a woman, do you feel that? Uh, you, you've, you've had the same sort of freedom that, that, that you've had to, to create those relationships across races, but as a woman to also just stand up and be counted as an equal and, and so on, or, or are we still far behind on that one? You know, no, I, I must be honest that the, when in history have we ever been, um, has there ever been a better time to be a woman than today? Mm. When in history mm. have we ever been luckier than right now? You know, we can still argue certain interpersonal, you know, you can still be in a crowd of boys and think why, why, um, are women sort of still knocked down or why does this guy treat his girl this way? So obviously there's still room for improvement, just like with everything mm. or equal pay or whatnot. But still we're moving forward. You know, look at, look at me answering the eternal optimist again. <laughs> um, I think that the worst thing that I'd like to challenge with women is that they need to stick together. I'd like to challenge the sisterhood more. Mm. You know, I think that women need to, need to treat each other better. Um, and you know, then, then the matriarchal, um, uprising will just dominate and the world will change. Oh my goodness. Should yeah. we be scared? <laughs> yeah. You should be scared. When women just <laughs> wake up to their power. More, yeah. When women wake up to their power yeah the world will just you're shame for you guys so, so are you saying women women are free and have been free for a very long time not very long mm-hmm. not very long i mean it's still changing we, you can hear the the wheels turning it's like literally turning as we speak but mm. um but but women are like they're not aware of their power we go oh we're not free just like wake up and smell how free you are and actually Take the power that's yours to take. That's my feeling because I wake up every day free to, to be an empowered hustler and I just hustle. I mean, no one's in my way. Mm. Um, I don't know. That's my experience. Again, optimistic and enthusiastic and maybe, maybe, maybe just a little bit stupid and that's why I get away with it. Yeah, it's the stupid <laughs> ones that change the world. So, so, so keep it up. Yeah. Hanukkah, uh, as, as a white person in South Africa, um, you know, I get a lot of this from, from white people, white friends and so on who say, look, I'm trying the best that I can, but mm. you know, it's not easy when you keep getting told that you don't belong here. Mm. Um, when you keep getting reminded of the past, the past that you perhaps feel like you were not part of. Mm. How does it feel, uh, for you and, and, and for, for some of your white friends, you know, how, how does it feel to try and contribute to building the country and and to feel as though you're you're an alien in your own country. I don't I don't feel that way. I, I just don't take that on. I just feel, don't feel that that's true. I feel very much a part of this country. I I feel that those people who say that you know, I, I feel like that's. Um, I compare that to saying to me, um, you know, if someone says to me, "You're a thief," then I go, "Well, that that's not true." So, you know, mm. uh, I'm not going to take that on. Just like you're wrong. Next. So, conversations around. Me as an Afrikaner not belonging to this country. I belong to this country just as much as the next person does. Our, 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 conf, our conflicted, um, very painful past. I take responsibility for that. I carry that. I'm hurt by that. I'm specifically hurt by how much pain my specific forefathers have caused, um, to this country. But at the same time, I belong here. Where else do I belong? Where mm. else, um, is my language spoken? You know, my roots are here, you know, um, 
He's a beautiful author, uh, Rian Malan. He's a, um, um, He's a, 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm thinking in Afrikaans now. Um, Say it in Afrikaans. Uh, uh, um, his forefather mm. is actual D.F. Malan. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he's also a, a poet and a, um, and a songwriter. And he wrote a song called Blue Kumbuem. Mm-hmm. And he compares the Afrikaner to a blue kumbuem, the blue gum tree. Mm-hmm. Well, he speaks about the fact that the blue kumbuem isn't inherent to South Africa. But it's become part, part of the of landscape. The mm-hmm. Its its roots are so deep now. It's on almost every farm, and it's become part of our landscape and synonymous with it. And mm. that's how I see the Afrikaner now. Like, <laughs> if mm. you took it away, you take apart an integral part of it. Whether or not that's painful, and we need to revisit it, and we need to acknowledge all the shitty parts, and we need an Afrikaner. You need Afrikaners like me, uh, who. Who help forge new pathways, new bridges, who acknowledge, um, and who bring the good parts back. Yeah, absolutely. But you can't take it away. Where, where are we going to go? What are mm. you going to do? I mean, when I go to the Netherlands, it's like, uh, I understand Dutch completely. And it's almost like you're an adoptive child who go back to your birth biological parents, mm, right? Mm. And you can understand everything and you look like them. You know, I'm tall and, and big like them. And yet they don't want us. Mm. <laughs> like we're like a, a bastard. Uh, like there's xenophobia against. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't even get a work visa to live there. Wow. So I belong here. I don't take that. I really, I really don't take that on. I don't participate in those types of conversations. I walk away from that type of stuff. Again, I'm kumbaya. I'm positive. Maybe I'm silly and I'm a bit more fluffy. Mm. I don't know. So I mean, let's talk about white privilege for for a moment. Um, the assumption when we speak about these things is that all, all white people were born um, with silver spoons in their mouths and, you know, they're, they're where they are, that you, you know, trust fund babies and so on. Uh, you, you have a very – you didn't have uh, a silver spoon upbringing and no. uh, you didn't have a, a, a trust fund. No. Um, so so how, did you, how did you make it? How did you work your way up, um, you know, even education-wise? Um. So uh, my parents split up when I was quite young and as a result of it, we just kind of had to fend for ourselves um, because of quite a messy situation. Uh, and I got my grandparents to basically sign surety for me to be educated and carried that loan, even the interest on that loan for me to study. Also got some sponsor, uh, so some scholarships as well as hustled, like I said, I'm a hustler. Um, I worked as a waitress all the way through university. Uh, begged, stealed, borrowed, waited, worked really hard. I think somewhere early on in school, I also realized like good grades will get you through. And then got my first job uh, after university. Uh, I realized, I mean, I had a drama degree. I realized I wasn't going to be able to stand in a queue for a Rama ad to be able to be an actress. You know what I mean? So I got a job uh, so I could pay my car. I did that for a while, sold the car, paid out my little pension fund, went over to London. I had 270 pounds and uh, stayed on a floor of a friend so that I could hustle again to make it in London until eventually I saved up enough money to come back home to South Africa uh, to have enough capital to start the business, which has now grown very successfully and we employ 30 people. So it's uh, it's been a wonderful journey wow. and it's been all 
you know, it's been all proudly South African and, and, and that's why I say, yeah, I mean, and I hear that. I hear that. I am still privileged, you know, within that, the privilege of, um, you know, as a white person, you, you do, you do come from a culture of, uh, standing on the shoulders of, of education and of, uh, on the shoulders of giants. So, so even within my own personal lack of, um, of comforts, I still acknowledge that being white comes with certain privileges. Every morning when I drive to work, I see that every single person that walks to work in the cold, it ain't white. Mm. I see that. I, I actually wanted to ask you, um, how often do you, you know, um, Notice that privilege. I mean, a, a lot of, a lot of black people are like, you know, uh, white people are privileged, so on and so forth. But mm-hmm. from, from a, a white person, how, how, how often do you see it so bluntly? Every single day. And I promise you, I try to, to feel it every yeah. single day. You know, when I, when I, this morning, this morning driving out of my sort of suburb where I live, I saw this guy, Literally, like about a couple of meters out of my complex where I live, this guy, white guy in a big white bucky, he had a bunch of workers, I don't know why, on a public holiday, sitting on the back, and he, no one's sitting next to him, and a bunch of, he's a white guy, and a bunch of, bunch of black workers sitting on the back, and I'm just like, what is this? Yeah. What world are we living in? And why is there no white men sitting on the back? I see that all the time. I feel that all the time. By feeling it, does that change anything? No. By being, Kind, does that change anything? No, but I, but I can say that I feel that and I can say that I acknowledge that being white is a privilege. Um, one of my favorite stand-up comedians, Louis C.K., do you know him? Um, sorry, no. No, it's cool. Yeah. He, he has this, uh, skit about, he calls it being white. Mm. And I love it. He says, uh, I don't know if I can try and explain it on air because it's quite rude, but. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. I think this is the only radio station well, where you can, can actually, actually. Do people swear on here? Y- yeah. Oh, full on. Yeah, full on. I, I, in fact, I heard you say shitty a, a, a while ago, but you know, oh, it's oh, fine. Okay. It's chill. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, he talks about the fact that, um, you know, uh, of all, like at any point in time, if you went back at any point in time, if you, if you could go back in time, um, and you got there, there'd be a table waiting for you. You go back to the year two, there's a table waiting for you. Sir. <laughs> As a white person. <laughs> As right? a white yeah. person. Yeah. Um, and, and you, and you're a liar if you say that it's not better to be white. He yeah. says like, clearly it's better to be white. And he says, he says, he doesn't feel like it's, uh, you know, He's not saying that it's better to be white, but you're a liar if you're if, not acknowledging that you're having a better experience true. by being white. But he's beautiful because he says he doesn't want to know what's going to happen to us in the future because we're going <laughs> to thoroughly pay for this shit. Yeah. Anyway, I've ruined it, but you've got to look for it. Look on, look on YouTube. Look at Louis C.K. Look for this kid called being white it's really 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 good look at it let's uh, let's uh, we're gonna try and do something spontaneous here we found we found the clip oh uh, please we found a clip um so we're gonna try and we're gonna try and play it and see if we can we can hear it it's called the louis ck i enjoy being white oh yes sorry i'm being so negative yes i'm a bummer i don't know i i shouldn't be i'm a very uh you know lucky guy i got a lot going for me i'm I'm healthy i'm relatively young i'm white which thank god for that shit boy that is uh... up are you kidding me oh god i love being white i really do 
Seriously, if you're not white, you're missing out because this shit is thoroughly good. It, and, but let me be clear, by the way, I'm not saying that white people are better. I'm saying that being white is clearly better. Who could even argue? <laughs> if it was an option, I would re-up every year. Oh, yeah, I'll take white again. Absolutely. I've been enjoying that. I'm going to stick with white. Thank you. Here's how great it is to be white. I could get in a time machine and go to any time, and it would be fucking awesome when I get there. exclusively a white privilege. Black people can't fuck with time machines. A black guy in a time machine is like, hey, think before 1980. No, thank you. I don't want to go. But I can go to any time. The year two? I don't even know what was happening then. But I know when I get there, welcome. We have a table right here for you, sir. Thank you. Oh, it's lovely here in the year two. I can go to any time. In the past, I don't want to go to the future and find out what happens to white people because we're going to pay hard for this shit. You got to know that. We're not going to just fall from number one to two. They're going to hold us down and fuck us in the ass forever. And we totally deserve it. But for now, we. Now, if you're, if you're white and you don't admit that it's great, you're an asshole. It is great. And I'm a man. How many advantages could one person have? I'm a white man. You, you can't even hurt my feelings. What can you really call a white man that really digs deep? Hey, cracker. Oh, ruined my day. Boy, shouldn't have called me a cracker. Bringing me back to owning land and people. What a drag. So that's a uh, you know we we laugh about it um and it's uh but but there's a guy who's taking ownership and saying you know yeah. that that that's me <laughs> I, I am privileged um yeah. why is it so difficult do you think for for, for oops, 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 uh, why do you think it's so difficult um for um for a lot of uh, white people in South Africa to just admit it, cut, just come out and say, look, uh, number one, I was a beneficiary of apartheid. Number two, I am still privileged because of it. And number three, I need to, I, I might need to make some sacrifices in order to fix this. Why would, why do you feel that, 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 that resistance? I mean, you've been, you've been saying it, you, you know, I'm privileged and mm-hmm. so on. I feel it. That's not what you get commonly. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm really going to have to try and unpack that because, like, like we've acknowledged in terms of my own personal story, um, I, I ha- I'm not a sort of traditional Afrikaner. First of all, we've said that. Second of all, I've I've had quite a um, not civil, silver spoon white kind of upbringing. You know, I've kind of been fending for myself. And then thirdly, I say, yeah, being white, clearly, I've I've had privileges. I still by being white and privileged. So why do people not want to acknowledge it? Why do people in general not acknowledge things? Um, because it, 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 cause it's not nice being vulnerable because it forces you to, to have to be in a way accountable. I mean, it, it comes back to kids. Like it's the only um, metaphor I can use again, mm. you know, accountability. Um, you're, <laughs> 
you've hit your brother and and now <laughs> and now your mother saw you and you've got to be like say sorry um and you don't want to and you've got that sheepish look mm. and actually if you just own up to it then you can continue playing but we all just want to i don't know it's human nature i don't understand why but i i'm here to say it's so much easier to just live i i really don't know why people are that way i but think it's also the mentality of um it's a group mentality thing like if, if we're all over here saying we've got nothing to be sorry for We've said sorry, apartheid is over. Um, th- then it's cool. Then it's cool. I- I'm trying. I'm trying to help you, but I-, I really don't know why. I don't know. You know, I I really want to ask Damon uh, um, the-, the very same question. Damon, mm-hmm. you with us? Yeah, of course, I'm with you. I'm always yeah. Here we go. Um, well, the same. Why do some white people not acknowledge that um, they've had a privileged life? Yeah. Well, it's it's very simple. Centuries and centuries of of indoctrination and and uh, making them feel that they're superior to black people, um, manifesting in racism. Um, those people they may not they won't admit it and they don't actually see it themselves because they are racist. But you see, there's different levels of racism. They are racist. They're not evil racists. They just in their subconscious they really think that they are superior to black people. And they can't acknowledge that apartheid was an evil thing because they will never admit this even to themselves. Mm. But they're not, they don't mm. acknowledge that black people are at the same human level as them. And that, and that, yeah. and that, and that is the sad truth. You need to, you need to, um, get a profile, get yourself a white profile on Facebook and, and get white people to follow you and get caught in these, in white mm. Facebook. They call, you know, you've heard of the term black uh, Twitter. Black Twitter yeah. Whoa, you should, you got to get involved in white Facebook. It's actually, it's actually mind blowing. It's mm. really mind blowing. Um, what, there are so many white people, particularly white people from the age of 50 upwards that, are completely oblivious. They, uh, the ANC has messed up this country. I mean, they they don't think that this country has been damaged in any way whatsoever from our past. Apartheid ended twenty years ago. Get on with your lives. I mean, they don't understand that that's impossible. Yeah. Uh, social uh, socialists, uh, not socialists. Um, social workers, uh, political analysts have proven over a long period of time that if you are at a certain economic level, you're the next generations will be the same. Yeah. To change your, um, to change your standard of living from generation to generation, to go from low down to, to, to become more affluent is extremely difficult. Mm. It's extremely, and, uh, but black people are not human according to these people in their subconscious. They don't see black people at, at the same level as them. And that's the, and that is the sad truth. But there, yeah, I said it. But what, what do you say then, um, to, to you, Hanukkah, and to you, Damon? What, what do you say to, to people who say, I mean, Hanukkah said, you know, when, when you hit your brother as a kid and you're forced to say sorry, that's it, it's done. So they're saying, look, my dad and my granddad said sorry. I am saying sorry. I'll say it to you for the tenth time just to make you, you know, sorry. You know, now can we move on with it? Why, why, why do they still have to feel that they have to still own this thing if they've just, they've said sorry? It's a deep psyche thing, you know, it's a psychological thing. I, um, it's complicated and it sits within a person. I wonder if we could have like massive, massive, very, very deep, um, therapy for our nation. Maybe, maybe that's what we need. I have a, I had a granddad 
who was a, a national party minister for 28 years, um, who's also a security council member. And, um, I knew him obviously until he died and dude, like that man, he was unchangeable and extreme Afrikaner. Hmm. And there was no way that man could ever be swayed. So like, I mean, you would have to take him to old fashioned one flew over the cuckoo's nest type, um, therapies, mm. uh, shock therapy to, mm. to even sway him, like the views he held. And it's somewhere between him and his own granddaughter, me. I don't know how people shift. It's, it's an interesting thing. I don't understand it. There is something about an ingrained, uh, a viewpoint. And, and maybe the answer is just stick with the little ones and grow them up. From there, and let the let the oldies complain on Facebook. And but 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 <laughs> yap yap but yap. Don't on. you? They're not important. <laughs> Sorry, did I say that out loud? I think you just did. I think but you don't just you think? Did. Don't you think it's going to? Don't you think it messes things up a little bit when when you know? Yes, you you're raising them up in this way, but yeah. you come back home. Yeah, yes, you know. I, I was speaking to Tabu at work, eh, and I'm telling you these black people. Yeah. Oh, I, I come you. back and I say, you know what? I was speaking to John at work. These racist no, white. White people, so they hear that they no, pick that up and 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 they start to assume it, even when you weren't necessarily teaching it to them. So, yes. how do we get around that? No, I know I hear you. I mean, I remember one day recently there was this little girl. We were asking them, I can't remember what the context was. Something about like, what do you wish for? And the other children were all wishing for to be a princess and unicorns. And this little girl was like, I wish there were no potholes. <laughs> That's clearly not your <laughs> wish. Yeah. That's something you heard your mum say yeah. around the yeah. dinner table. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I don't know. That is a constant challenge. So you're right. I mean, I, I really don't know what the answer is. It is vitally important because it does perpetuate the same cycle. So saying, so saying that uh, we just we are the world and children of the future. Of course. Yeah. That's it's it's not as simple as that because the cycle does continue. Um but I have a hope and a belief that there's a sort of slow and maybe it's too slow washing out of things. Do you know what I mean? Like over time the 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 percentage is getting uh, higher of of more and more people and and our peer groups specifically that are integrated and progressive and trying to make a change. But that's my viewpoint. That's my hope and belief. And maybe I've got blinkers on. I don't know. Maybe I'm just really not interested in that type of conversation. Um, yeah, that's how I see the world and, and how I engage with human beings for sure. Mm. But that I'm white, that I'm privileged, definitely. That I challenge wherever I go. Like even when I'm on like dates with men, I'm literally like wherever I go, like trying mm. to have this type of conversation and asking people to acknowledge who they are as a woman, as a man, as a, mm. As white or black or whatever they might be, it's just. What is it? What's the best way to have those conversations? So you, you, you're very open to them, and and mm. you say you try to have them. Um, but are we getting anywhere as 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 black people or people who want to have the conversation, irrespective of race, um, by 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 constantly reprimanding people? You're bad. You need to take mm. ownership. And does that make people say, hmm, you know what? Today you said it in this particular tone that's going mm. to make me actually come to the table and have the conversation. Or are we just uh, turning people off and saying, you know, look, you know what, forget it. Um, you know, you know, there's human yeah. pride. Yeah. Uh, what are we doing wrong as, 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 let's say, majority black people mm. um, to turn people off having this very important conversation? Well, I think that there is a growing feeling 
I must be honest, there's probably, there is a feeling that there's sort of reverse racism in our specific peer group, like why people are starting to feel that black people now don't like them. And oh my God, now like, oh, it's so boring. <laughs> oh, I wish we would just get along and help, love each other. But okay, there is that feeling, right? Um, so your question is, what should black people do? I don't know. I think I've also had this conversation with you before, Rory, where, um, in my experience, I think the way we, we should live our lives is in, in every moment and in every engagement and every interaction. Um, and as long as, as long as the way we are with, with each interaction, then, then we're touching the world and then we're changing the world, right? Um, by being kind and by being a good example in, in that moment. I know this may sound very, very cheesy. Um, but yeah, I, I think there is a, um, there's a case to make for, for challenging people, but yeah. without being constantly, um, aggressive. There is, there's a certain spirit of like, also let people be. There's a certain, um, wave at the moment that I feel that's also unnecessary. That's been, that I've specifically picked up on. A friend of mine said recently, it's impossible. For black people to be racist It's only possible For white people to be racist And that's been proven I said, excuse me, how, how? is that proven? No, 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 she doesn't understand She can't explain the theory to me But it's, it's And I said, um, okay, listen Let's not go there Racism is racism, babes Like, it depends But now why should we go there? Yeah. So there's definitely There's definitely um, ways of rattling each other So in my, in my mind Um Let's just not, let's just not go there and, and, um, and turn the table so badly back around. Like Mandela, I suppose, said, I mean, I, I, I suppose I'm coming across really, really cheesy, like <laughs> Kumbaya, heal the world. But, you know, he was speaking about the fact that, um, no race, whether white on black or black on white ever again, um, should do this to one another. So by, by black people now going, Aggressively back against white people. What are we really changing? So maybe it's about setting an example and in the small pockets of life. Mm. Um, you know, um, when when I when I think about race, especially in this country, um, I always think of languages. Mm. You know, um, when you consider the fact that, like myself and Rory, are a good example of such. I mean, we are sitting here hosting a show, and we're not speaking in our vernacular yeah. Yeah. language. You know what I mean? We we're speaking in English, mm. and I, I would imagine Rory, you speak more than just English. Uh, what's your, what's your home home language? Praetorian, brother. I, I I speak Praetorian. Oh, you speak Praetorian, <laughs> which it's, is it's, a mix, it's, it's, it's a mix of, uh, of of a bunch Soto, of Soto, Shangan, Venda, English, Afrikaans. It's it's you know. You know, um, I've 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 always wondered to myself why um a lot of uh white people just don't try le- learn yeah. some of the you know South African languages yeah. that they come across. I mean, you you it's it's you. We are a dime a dozen as yes. far as the black people that learn English Afrikaans. Yes. And, um, you don't find yes. too many white people speaking Zulu or Sotho or Spedi or even Absolutely. trying to learn the language. Yeah. Um, is, is there a specific reason for that or? I think there's two reasons. <clears throat> First of all, no, there's a few. One, mainly, I suppose, um, the, the back, backstory of racism, obviously. Um, 
there's the fact that it's a Germanic, it's not a Germanic language, just like English and Afrikaans belong to the same uh, family of languages. So it yeah. just sits in a different place in the mind and in the mouth. So it's harder to learn. So the lazy brain doesn't want to. Obviously, language and racism, we know this. Yeah. Um, from the, from the history of our country, black people were forced to. So there we That's go. That's another thing. Um, yeah. And it's harder. Um, what was the other thing? I, I tried, hey, I promise you. But like with our country, it's so easy to just stay lazy because nothing's going to force me the way like all of us, we just engage in English. So yeah. you're, I promise you in my life, I've been so desperate. When I lived in Cape Town, before I lived in England, I was getting there with Kosa. I was really trying, babe. Yeah. And then I was like trying to engage everywhere, wherever I could. Um and I'm going to take this challenge now again. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. I don't, I don't know why. It's a, it's a culture again that's sort of stuck with us. But there, there is this, there is that small thing about the, the, the family of the language. But then, but then black, black, black people could use the same excuse. Exactly. That it's, it's, you know, yeah. it's a Ndebele or whatever family of language. And yet Afrikaans and English is, is a Germanic language. So, um, there's a there's a guy I recently met. I don't know if you know Nick Pule. Do you, are you aware of that guy? Oh yes, um, he came through for an interview yes. uh, a couple of months ago. Fascinating yeah. dude. Fascinating, right? yeah. Fascinating. He's he's he he was shockingly intelligent. Oh. I I I actually couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah, and like Zulu more fluent than yeah. English. And um, he speaks about the fact that he believes that the problem with especially white people in South Africa it's it's purely a racist divide like he believes that uh, the, the the problem the reason why white people do not speak vernacular languages is a, is an old deep 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 Racist divide for us Again that psychological yeah. Issue So here I sit And I'm saying I don't have a racist bone In my body I'm open I'm free I'm here I'll be honest I think time is a problem In my life mm. Um but I, I, I'm desperate. I'm desperate. I want to. I want to. I can say that to you with my whole heart. Yeah. Um. So I think there's a lot of people like me that would like to, and it's hard. You know, it's a part of your my brain that's very lazy. Um. So I think there's a lot of people like me that like that would like to. Because in my mind, I think if if um you know a lot more white people started learning mm. vernacular languages, mm. it would it would change a lot. It would shift yeah, our it culture. It would change a lot. I want to say two more things there. Um, mm. Short small things. One is schools. There's a big problem there. Why do we not have first language um, vernacular schools? We yeah. still have English Afrikaans schools. And if that changed, when uh, you could actually send children to be educated in say Zulu or Tosa or whatever, then that would also change things massively. Why do we not have newspapers or you know big so all of that literature and education, so the whole thing then, the premise, even second language, uh, how South African languages are still taught and the prevalence of Afrikaans. And I mean, we're just lucky to have, to have Afrikaans still have such power. Yeah. So there's all of that. I mean, I remember trying to do Kosa at uh, school in Cape Town. And you know, it was like an Afrikaans lady trying to teach us. Usapila. Yeah. And I was like <laughs> trying. So it's, it's, it's a complicated go, issue. It, it, is. You, it is. You, you, you are, let's, let's, let's give you this. You can say Kosa. Say, say that. I, I was fascinated. You can actually say, it's not Kosa. No, it's not Kosa. Yeah. I can say this. Listen to this. Wait, no, no, no. Let me say it again. What's, what's um, kolo now? My, my back. Ba- my back oh, is sore. My back okay. is sore. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. So, so Hanukkah, it's Freedom Day today. Yes. And uh, we, we, we asked this uh, to Komoso who was here, who was here earlier. 
the lawns of the union buildings are going to be filled with a lot of black faces celebrating this Freedom Day. Um, you won't see a lot of white faces that have voluntarily gone there just to go and celebrate this Freedom Day. So the question then is, whose freedom is this? What do we say? Is this? It's Freedom Day for who exactly? Mm. Is it is it Freedom Day for black people? Should white people be participating, or is it just? Uh, it's almost one of those. Uh, it's a it's a black event, and we'll call you when we're done. Uh, or is this is this is this something that we should all be celebrating? And if so, what is there for a white person to celebrate in all of that? Sure, I don't know. I mean, a friend of mine, shame. I hope he's not listening. Uh, was over for the weekend, and I said to him, he said, "Oh, it's a, it's a public holiday. It's the Fakansidag Mondag." And I said, uh, "I said, yeah, it's Freedom Day." He said, "Oh, I don't, I don't even know." I said, "Shame on you." Yeah. So I, he said, "What, what, what freedom?" Mm. I said it's the first time that all South Africans could vote. Do you not remember 1994 and those snakes of across fields of people for the first time who could vote? So I don't think, sadly, that all South Africans and especially white people, average white people, actually feel it. I don't. I think they think it's a day off from work and they're sleeping late, unfortunately. If I'm mm. honest and mm. sorry if I'm embarrassing people, but I think that that's what people feel. And, you know, I lived in the UK for many years and they don't even talk about public holidays. They talk about bank holidays. They don't mm. have any, like, they don't have any, um, any connotation sense. to the reason why they celebrate a day off. They have no reason. They call it a bank holiday. Yeah. Mm. I, I'm so proud of the reason. Like, I know what each of the ones mean. 21st of March, you know, mm. um, my own birthday is on one of them. Mm. Anyway, so no, unfortunately, I don't think it has the same feeling for people. It should. You're an you're an artist. Um, you've done drama. You've done dance. You've done musical theatre, and you know this. This one might argue that this is a domain of the Department of Arts and Culture to sort of promote a way in which all South Africans can celebrate and feel like they are part of. Of this Freedom Day, if if you were the Minister of Arts and Culture, and you had to come up with a way for all South Africans to join in and celebrate Freedom Day and to feel like um, they're they're a part of it and that it it is theirs and and this day was going to unite all of us, apart from maybe uh, setting up a, a soccer match or or rugby match, which tend to bring us together for all of forty five minutes and then we go our separate ways. What would you do? Uh, to 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 make sure we all celebrate and we all join in on this Freedom Day thing. Oh God, that's putting me on the spot. Yeah, that's, eh? that's a very no. I've got question. to come up with a yeah. with a with a concept. Okay, change um, the world in sixty seconds. There <laughs> yeah. we go. What would I do? Um, sure, I would always work with kids if I could, hey, because they're so they're so amazing. Um, Event wise. I, I don't know, Rory. Sure, I, I'll need okay. a moment. I'll need come a up, moment. Come up with a concept for a buzz, <laughs> buzz workshop for kids on Freedom Day. That would that would have all the kids coming together, and you want to make sure that they come out of there understanding why we have Freedom Day, and moving from there, uh, owning this Freedom Day and wanting to do something to extend its impact. What would a buzz workshop look like? Well, in buzz workshops, we do we do drama, dance, and singing always. So I suppose I'd work from what I know. I work with the composer always, and I'm actually going to see him today. So let let the two of us quickly jam out a song or yeah. two. And um, he's incredible. Um, and we'd we'd get all the kids of South Africa, black, white, brown, purple, and pink, all of us together. Um, 
and let the kids teach us because they don't see it. Like I said at the beginning, I'm peach. You're yeah. brown. Yeah. I mean, I used to uh, recently date this, uh, this black guy for a while and I asked him once, I said, um, if your daddy and I had a kid, uh, what color would they be? He said, well, the first one would be peach and the second one would be brown. He didn't even understand the concept of like the paint being mixed, you know, like it might be like a mocha java color. Um, so yeah, I suppose you, you get the kids together and get them to express their ideas of freedom, but I don't think they feel like they are not free. Um, and we'd, we'd sing about it and we'd dance about it. And we enact it, and we'd act it out, and we did poetry, and yeah, yeah. that's what we do with the children. Yeah. Damon, uh, can we bring you in here? Do, do you have something to say? You know what? I've been so much so busy with logistics. <laughs> just, just, just give me a brief sentence of what. Just contextualize it to me briefly. I'm the sorry. The kids, or if you, if if for a day you you could you could. Uh, come up with an event for kids that would celebrate Freedom Day. They'd come out of there understanding what Freedom Day is all about, and they'd come out of there wanting to own this freedom and doing something a lot better than we as adults have done. Uh, what would that workshop look like? And 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 Hanukkah says okay. the kids should actually teach us. Okay, I'd make them watch. I'd make them watch Schindler's List. <laughs> oh. Um, then I'd make them watch uh, Long Walk to Freedom. Oh, mm-hmm. my goodness. And then I would uh, let somebody like Dennis Goldberg and Ahmed Katrada give a lecture. These are kids between five and nine. We don't <laughs> oh, want to break their spirits. Oh, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> we don't want to break their spirits. Oh, my Lord. Sorry, I didn't really... You, you, now, Rory, you didn't tell me their ages, eh? In my defense, eh? <laughs> we just want to inspire them. Ahmed we actually Katrada, want them yeah. to to tell us... Uh, we want them to tell us uh, what the future looks like and their ideas of freedom. I don't think... Oh, they okay. feel trapped anyway. Okay. Okay. I'm going to have to throw the whole spanner in the works. I'm sorry to do this. But from the ages of five to nine, um, I don't feel it's necessary to do anything like exactly. that. Exactly. That's my point. That's what uh, I was saying. I don't uh, think they yeah, feel I'm not sorry, free. I'm, missed, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, Hanika, I missed all of that because I was so busy with logistics. Yeah, I know honest. you haven't been listening yeah. to me. I no, feel no, that. No, for the, only for the last 10 minutes, I, I wasn't concentrating. Um, no, no. So, so we're on the same page. You don't do anything. Leave them alone. Let them be children. Exactly. And don't make it an issue for them. When they're older, when they're 14, 15, 16, That's and they, they start become. getting chacharach, then you make yes. them watch and listen yes. and walk to speed. That's when they become trouble. That's why I try to work with them before they get analytical. Yeah. yeah, no, honestly, Damon, I like you're not babysitting for me. You're gonna watch my, you're gonna make my kids watch Long Walk Freedom at five. You didn't, you didn't say the five to nine. <laughs> thank you very much, Damon. So, Hanukkah, thank you so much, uh, for being with us. Um, we really enjoyed this. I think it's, 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 it's enlightening to, it really to understand, is. uh, the experience. You know, I, I'm not white and I, I, I do not claim to even, uh, understand, you know, sometimes we speak, but we don't, we don't, we don't actually, uh, understand the experience. So thank you so much for, for, for coming over. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Ah, it was fantastic. Thanks. Right. So who's ready to unleash the renegade? Stand a chance to be the first person to unleash and drive the new Jeep renegade for a month and win 40,000 rand worth of weekend getaways brought to you by Star Travel. Right. So, 
Last Friday, we challenged Lubim Boya to do an urban forest fashion shoot. She's completed the challenge and her video will be up later today at unleashrenegade.co.za. In Lubim's video, you'll find a hidden code which you need to enter in order to unlock the next renegade. Who do you think it will be? What will Gareth challenge them to do? Tune in tomorrow to find out. Uh, keep an eye on unleashrenegade.co.za to break the code and win. T's and C's apply. It has been locked away from the eyes of the world. Chained, never to be released. But now, it wants to get out. Stay tuned to Cliff Central weekdays to find out how you can unleash the Jeep Renegade. Find hidden codes and videos posted by Jeep SA and you could win Jeep Renegade prizes. As well as become the person to single-handedly unleash the Jeep Renegade upon the shores of South Africa. Are you renegade enough? I'm a renegade, I just hit the ground running. Visit unleashrenegade.co.za to find out. T's and C's apply. CliffCentral.com